You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What do Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, and Sonic the Hedgehog all have in common? They're the GOAT at collecting rings. And today we're going to talk about everybody's favorite blue speedster, not Quicksilver, but Sonic the Hedgehog. Welcome back to Systematic Geekology. I'm one of your hosts for today's episode, Brandon Knight. I am a soon-to-be father, and I know that I've been saying that technically for a while now, but like seriously, we're now in the range where if my wife could have the baby at any point now and everything would still be okay. So we're in like the sweet spot right now. And recently, I have been geeking out. Season two of The Snoopy Show came out. And it was a really short season. So I watched it like really quick. It was a really short season. So then I started Snoopy in space and got through that really quickly because the episodes are really short. And I'm sure you're all dying to know what I have to think, what I have to say about it. So here, here it is, short version right here. The Snoopy show gets the tone right more than Snoopy in space does. Snoopy in space bent a lot of the rules in order to put it together. Snoopy, uh, the Snoopy show, it gets that Peanuts tone more. So that's what I've ha- been up to. I love whenever we do, what have we been geeking out on? Because you're always, it's always so random with you. It's always something Thanks. so obscure with you. It's fantastic. Um, I am Joe. I'm another one of the hosts here. I am a broadcaster, podcaster, and uh Recently, my wife and I have been going through X-Files, starting at the beginning and going through all of it. I've seen bits and pieces along the way, but uh, this is the first time going from start to finish. And preliminary thoughts are that it is absolutely a 90s show, that's for sure. In all (laughs) of its 90s, it's definitely a 90s show. (laughs) Where is that at? Who, Who has that right now? Um, we w- are watching it on Hulu. Oh, Hulu does. Okay. I don't, you know, everybody owns all the shows and are constantly rebooting them. And it's just hard to keep up with sometimes. I just started watching The Last Dance, which is the sixth championship season of the Chicago Bulls. That's yeah. on Netflix, technically an ESPN series. So Disney is probably drooling at the mouth to get a hold of that. Anyway. We're here today to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog over the weekend at the recording of this episode. I'm not sure exactly when this one's coming out, but at the recording of this episode, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has just come out in theaters. And there's been a lot of interesting headlines coming out. I have not seen it yet. Joe, you have not seen it yet, have you? I have not. Okay. Have you seen the first one? I did. Okay. We'll circle back to that. But the first or the second one has just come out. A lot of interesting numbers are coming out surrounding it. First off, it took the box office. I don't know if there's really much else out there right now, but it did take the box office. Second, it broke its previous box office record. Third, it's the highest grossing video game movie opening weekend to date. And some are even calling this film the one of the greatest sequels of all time. So let's just, let's just park on some of this for a second, Joe, before we get into the character himself, greatest video game movie of all time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's actually not that hard of a feat to accomplish, right? I mean, they definitely misspelled mortal Kombat when talking about the greatest video (laughs) game movie of all time. Yep. So, uh, and you said that that sounds more like a headline than it does an actual like substantial news story. I agree with that, especially also with this second claim that it's one of the greatest sequels of all time. Again, the race for the greatest sequel isn't too great. That's basically the entire premise of Scream 2 is that sequels don't usually go as great. But at the same time, you have films like the Empire Strikes Back and Dark Knight in this conversation of great sequels. And without seeing the film, I have a hard time believing that Sonic the Hedgehog 2 would be on the same level as Empire Strikes Back. So if you're talking about 
sequels to video game movies. Okay, that becomes a much different conversation. Then you're talking about movies like Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You're talking about movies like the second Street Fighter movie. I struggle to find a third uh, video (laughs) game movie sequel. Most of them don't get a sequel. Um, As far as sequels in general i have to vibe with to go to go back to scream 2 i have to vibe on on when they bring up uh godfather part 2 i'm one of those people okay. that thinks the se- the sequel is better than the original i just upset somebody um but yeah i without seeing it you're talking about a whole lot of movie history and again when you add so much into the sequel that vi- that that complements the video game story points you're bound to increase fanfare for the overall product by that i mean giving eggman the the mustache sure. bringing in knuckles you know mm-hmm. these different beats that were missing from the original that a lot of fans complained about as far as them uh, missing from the original, Mm -hmm. as far as that being enough to propel it into greatest sequel. Again, that's all hyperbole. That's all, you know, that, that sounds good on a thumbnail preview to click on a link for somebody's movie review or something along Mm -hmm. those lines. But, but, all right. Well, let's get back over to Sonic now. Joe, you're a '90s kid. What is your experience with Sonic the Hedgehog? Sonic, um, I, I'm so I am the prototypical um, '90s kid when, with what I'm about to say. Sonic was, in fact, my, the very first video game that I ever owned. Um, okay. We were a uh, Sega household. Um, a lot of a lot of the conversation had shifted away from Nintendo versus Sega to Super Nintendo versus Sega um, at that point. And like, for me in my generation, it was Sega very much hit a tone with the 90s kids because of the flashy and almost bombastic sort of marketing and things like that that you know was designed to catch kids eyes at that point in time and so yeah i sonic was the first one and i that bore a love of the ip the original ip for me um and i say original because there was a point where it shifted away from they were no longer made for my generation they were made for the next generation and then eventually um made for younger kids with parents that grew up with the originals and all Mm -hmm. of those kinds of things. And so I have very distinct memories of my sister and I trying to beat the first one um, and then playing through the second and third. That's why uh, Knuckles is one of my favorite um, video game characters of all time. Nice. On that note, have you come across these people who are like just downright against Sonic the Hedgehog as a character? Have you met? I've met people who are just anti Sonic the Hedgehog completely. And it bothers me mainly because then they'll tell me something silly, like their favorite video game character is Luigi. And I'm like, how is that somehow better than Sonic? Like, <laughs> Well, I think, I think it's, it, it all stems from the, the major war like for people that are that are listening to this that are of a um a younger demographic let me tell you the the console wars of the next gen systems between xbox and playstation are nothing 
in comparison to the tribalism that took place with Nintendo versus Sega. It was mm. not, there were, there were not homes at that time that had both a lot of the time. It was an either or. There was a lot of reasons for that. It was a different time, different sure. economics, all of those kinds of things. But generally speaking, you found on the playground either somebody who was really invested in playing Sonic and, and Sega and all of those kinds of things or your your Mario fans and things like that. I'll be honest, I didn't get into Mario until a little bit older because I ended up with a um, original top loader uh, Nintendo. I'm going to let my retro game uh, nerd fly here for a second. Um, no, no. The So Nintendo made a limited run of top loading cartridge uh cartridge uh holders mm -hmm. for um the original nintendo entertainment system oh, oh okay and so i ended up with an original nintendo and that introduced me to mario you. and so on and so forth but way before that like i said uh sega was the was the first console that we actually bought and things like that mm. and so yeah it's i have come across people that do not like this ip generally if i if i hear that i'm also hearing something like their favorite like you said is some kind of nintendo related ip um i think when you get into the overall storyline of sonic um it's my opinion that the overall storyline for Sonic is way richer than the overall storyline for Mario. Hmm. Okay. I think the games, by and large, for the like the original run of Mario, um, I think they had more consistency with their quality than okay. Sonic did. But overall, the storyline is way better for Sonic, in my opinion. Okay. Again, I, uh, I just upset somebody. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's Mario we're talking about. Well, here, I'll make everybody, I'll make you feel better. Uh, actually, my favorite video game character of all time is Crash Bandicoot because my grandpa had a an original PlayStation and we had Crash Bandicoot and Gex. Uh, and so I would play that when I would go over to their house. So I do love me some Crash Bandicoot. But as for me, when it comes to Sonic, I actually did not get into Sonic until probably i wasn't in middle school but getting close to to that like 10 11 year old range because yeah. we had a gamecube and the game sonic heroes had just come out and that was that was one of our favorite games that we would play me and my brothers would play we are we are the boys of a certain age that we really like shadow the hedgehog and we're really hoping that sooner or later Shadow is going to show up in this new Sonic film universe. But we kind of we come into things during that era of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic Heroes, playing that game. Then when I was in high school, I and I still have it over here, it that's when they started releasing plug and plays of original game consoles that have like preloaded so many like 30 games or something and i have a plug and play sega genesis over here that's got a whole pile of the original sonic games the first three mortal Kombat games so i've played my fair share of the originals uh since then but there's something something about sonic that even though this character wasn't really a part of my childhood there's something about him that it's very, it takes me back into a childlike environment. Yeah, I, so I've made enough comments that most of you guys will probably not be surprised to hear that um, I'm into retro gaming. Uh, even, even still, like, I, 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 my goal is to build an entire setup so that way mm. I can run high quality retro games and I'd I'd rather have that than have like the latest and greatest of the next gen consoles and things okay. like that. Because while I can appreciate the the some of the advancements that have been made in technology and different things like that, there's something to 
the straightforward nature of that style of gaming that doesn't have that I think is lost the more bloated some of these games get. Okay. You know what I mean? And and I think that there's, there is a beauty in being able to have all of the side quests. And I know that that's a different type of gaming experience made for certain people and all of those kinds of things. But there's something to that sense of accomplishment that you have progressing through each stage in Mm -hmm. the kind of way that only those types of games can provide. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to circle back to something that you said. Okay. So very distinct section of the audience is going to get what I'm about to say. And I know that I am far from the first geek genre podcaster to say this, but I absolutely agree with this. Shadow the Hedgehog is to Sonic. Oh boy. What Vegeta is to Dragon Ball. Knuckles is to Sonic what Piccolo is to Dragon Ball. Knuckles did it better first. Piccolo did it better first. The way that Knuckles was disregarded after the uh, power creep of Mm -hmm. Shadow being being added i'm mm-hmm. like mm, nah this is just a this is just a knockoff of knuckles <laughs> for the new generation that's yeah. all this is you know what i mean and that's that that's where i that's what kind of what i was um i i say all of that tongue-in-cheek i am of the opinion that knuckles is a way better better character um but that's also because of my generation sure and that's where that shift started to take place where this IP has been around long enough that they're starting to introduce new characters to replace the characters that were mm-hmm. for the original generation of people buying this. But that's kind of a a, a thing that's been going around the geek sure. universe of comparing those four characters because it really is true. When Vegeta was, was introduced into Dragon Ball Z, Piccolo be- kind of became obsolete. When Shadow was was introduced into Sonic, Knuckles kind of became obsolete, and I'm still salty about it. The best part about all of this is that I also like Vegeta more than Piccolo. Well, <laughs> the jo- Josh's incorrect nature is contagious. That's the best thing that I can say. <laughs> right. Um, so then, fast forward... The day has come. It's the announcement that there's a Sonic the Hedgehog movie on the horizon. And everyone went, hooray, question mark. And then the first trailer comes out. And Joe, take us back down memory lane. How was the original trailer? Um, okay, so, so we, we obviously need to talk about the fact that the original concept for um sonic was nightmare fuel i i don't understand who was drunk that day and was like yeah this this gremlin looking thing is it that that passes for sonic right guys that looks right now the the one thing i will say about all of that is um and and funnily enough that this is something that i i originally said with the hashtag restore the snyderverse people um or release the snyder cut or whatever um fans have become too entitled okay fans have this whole idea of fans demanding things on social media and all of that kind of stuff is I, I get it. I understand, you know, people, they're buying, the buying public should have an opinion and all of those kinds of things. That's not lost mm-hmm. on me, nor is it lost on me that that was a, that was, that was, I that was under- bad. Yeah. I, I really and truly do not understand who checked off on that and whoever checked off on that, that had to have been a bad day at the office when they saw the public opinion mm-hmm. on what that was. But I think when you hand somebody that gun, nobody, the fans aren't responsible enough to be able to properly understand how to use that gun. 
And so now you've just handed that to the to a bunch of to a bunch of people that are just now going to jump on Twitter and you've set the precedent now for people to jump mm -hmm. on Twitter and start demanding this, that, or the other thing. And, and that's where it becomes problematic. And I know that that's the unpopular opinion because, you know, fans should have, we're spending our money and all of this kind of stuff. Um, there is something to allowing artists to make art. And if you don't like the art, then don't follow the artist. Um, but I guess for me, Outside of the nightmare fuel, I I kind of thought of it in this in a similar notion to how I thought or how I how I take a lot of um, comic book movies nowadays. Right, everybody's like every everybody's brain has been so fried by the mcu formula and like everything has to look like mcu and if it doesn't look like look like mcu then it's garbage kind of like morbius morbius was a thought thought provoking indie film if you shut off your brain and stop trying to make it into a an mcu film and understand it's not an mcu film it's it's basically an indie film with jared leto in it there you go sure. yeah and it's that same kind of notion of like at least we're getting comic book movies, guys. At least this is the, at least we live in an age where it's cool for all of mm -hmm. these things to be to be a thing. We talk about these things with rose-colored glasses nowadays, like the 90s was this time for geek-related stuff and all that. Maybe when you were a little kid, it was cool to play video games, but generally speaking, those of us that grew up in the 90s hit a point in our teenage years where it had not yet became become socially acceptable to be a nerd and mm -hmm. so you were not looked at favorably so this whole idea of you know going going and going and seeing a a, a comic book re related movie or going and seeing a video game related movie or something along those lines wasn't what it is today mm -hmm. and so yeah there was a bit a bit of that nostalgia hit that came across when i saw the first trailer for it just like with this one they reinvigorated that nostalgia hit by introducing the mustache by introducing mm. knuckles etc yeah yeah that was that was some nightmare fuel man that was bad and you're and you're right it's one of those it's one of those hard situations where like what do you do as a film company like you signed off on a horrible idea now right. the fans are demanding you do better and sure enough, the final product was pretty good. What they have now for the design of Sonic is better, way better. But yeah. now you've given precedence to a whole Pandora's box that you should not have opened up. Exactly. And that's the same, same deal, right? Like with, with um, the Snyder Cut. They, I, I have to give it to Zack Snyder. He took that and turned it into a cause. It he turned it into mm. being able to speak out and raise money for um, suicide awareness and all sure. of that. And so sure. at least he took that and turned it into something more than just a hashtag. But the reality is, while that is a nice, um, we'll call it silver lining byproduct of all of that, take a look at some of the disgusting vitriol that took place at the hands of people that were like you know this is the only thing that ma that matters this is the only good comic book stuff all of you mcu fans are morons and you know all of this kind of stuff and it just it got disgusting mm -hmm. same deal with the whole sonic thing like yeah okay it was a garbage uh, uh design all right Mm -hmm. But when you look at the actual application of what all of that opened up and all of that kind of stuff, it was disgusting. And that's the problem. Like you said, with this Pandora's box, who gets to hold that key? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? We have proven time and again that as that as a collective, even us nerds who understand what it's like to not have our heyday still cannot bear the burden of the responsibility of coming together and being able to conduct ourselves in an appropriate manner in public discourse. And then we had to put up or shut up, you know, 
because they made yeah. the change. This is actually something a friend of mine pointed out was now everybody and their brother had to go see this movie because everybody yeah. complained about it, you know? And the right. best part was that movie came out like two weeks before the national shutdown. It came out like mid-February or something. It ruled. The, that was a wacky time to be a movie fan because it was like Sonic the Hedgehog, Bloodshot, that Vin Diesel movie that everybody forgot existed. And seriously, one of the highest grossing films there for a bit was a biopic about Jeremy Camp. It had like, that's how few people were going to the theater. So that limited run Christian film was like right near the top right. box office numbers wise. In the, in the end, what did you think of the original Sonic film? Um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was um, as, as these kinds of things go. I thought it was probably as, as good as you could probably get with something of that nature um, and still make it not for 30 somethings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there, there is a whole generation of us that we are the same people that are out crying for a serious take on power Rangers because we grew up with power Rangers. And so we want to mm -hmm. see one that's like, more grounded and not for kids and all of that because we're 30 somethings and mm -hmm. now that's the kind of entertainment that we like and so we hold this uh expectation i'll go as far as to say expectation that are that the ips that we liked as kids matured and grew with us sure now the problem is there is no responsibility for that. And it was originally created for kids. So we cannot be angry that right. it stays for kids. And so if you understand all of that, then that's when it becomes fine. You know what I mean? It becomes mm -hmm. a serviceable kids movie based sure. on Sonic. Do you think Netflix will deliver that Power Rangers you're so desperately hoping for? I think so. I think at this point we're going to see, I, I think with it being out of the hands of uh, Haim Saban mm -hmm. and out of the hands of um, kids networks, you know, and, and those ad sponsors that come along with that mm -hmm. and all of the responsibility that comes along with that. I think what, now that that's shifted out of there to something like Netflix, mm -hmm. I think they'll still have the, one that's based in for kids because you're still going to have kids tuning into this, sure. you know, that and still continuing that part of the power Rangers IP. But I do think that they are going to cash in on this whole generation of older people that are now saying, give me an adult version of this and I'll watch mm -hmm. it. I think Netflix would be wise to do that with that whole slate. What is it? Hasbro or Mattel? that they Hasbro. just signed Hasbro. I think that would, they would be wise to do that across the board. Here's your one for the 30 somethings. Here's your one for your kids of the 30 somethings. Exactly. On the point of the Sonic film, it was, you're right. It, it was good. It, I, I was surprised. I actually was expecting a bit more of a kid's movie. That movie towed the line between, being a kid's film and hitting this sweet spot that movies like the Lego movies or Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse has hit of this is for kids, but it's so enjoyable for the 30 somethings to watch as well. It was, it just came up short of that mark, which is a high mark to hit. Yeah. And I can definitely see, especially somebody that is more into that sort of movie, the mm -hmm. lighter movie and all of that, I can see how Sonic 1 totes that line of being a presentation that is for kids, but kind of like what, it, if you listen to our episode on the emperor's new groove um spoilers that that episode is coming out if it has not come out already um but it, we talk about how it's a movie that 
totes the line of being four kids, but with adult, with some adult yeah. stuff thrown in there and things like that. Yeah. I think Sonic tries for a similar tone. I don't think mm -hmm. it hits that similar tone in the same kind of way, no. but I do think it certainly tries and at some levels succeeds. Yes. Jim Carrey helps with that because yes, we, that, that is just somebody guys like us is going to resonate with before, as we start drawing this episode to a close, I want you to give your pitch. What is your favorite Sonic game? And if someone's never played Sonic the Hedgehog, what, which one should they play first? Okay. So my favorite is three. It would okay. have been, it was two for a long time. And then I went back and replayed three and the amount that is added. It's, it's almost like three it is the best parts of one and two put together. Oh, okay. And then with, with knuckles added and all of that. And for those of you that don't know, there was an expansion piece that you could buy that if you plug the original cartridge into, you could play as knuckles in the main story. Old and, technology is so cool. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, and, and we're literally talking about a cartridge inside of a cartridge that's at, on top <laughs> of your Sega Genesis. Um, and that was bleeding edge at the time. So something like, like that, that game to me, I thought was great. Um, and I was a little bit older when that one came out. So that way I was better at video games as a whole. I okay. had more of an idea of what a video game experience, what I enjoyed about a video game experience. And so to me that all of the pieces, the game, the time period, what age I was, lightning in a bottle that that game to me nice. is special um now as far as starting where do you start i'm gonna show my hand here with how old i am and say start from the beginning okay yes there is something to the you know i i can appreciate them trying to make it more of a three-dimensional experience and mm -hmm. some of the things that they've added into the sonic games over time but to understand why all of those games matter to understand why all of the world building things that finally took place with sonic took place and all of those kinds of things You've got to go back to the simplicity of the platformer side-scrolling experience of one, two, and three, and then go on from there into the newer ones that have come out since. As for me, my f I, I almost agree with you. I would say my, my favorite would be Sonic 2. I do enjoy Sonic 2 a lot. I like a lot of the phases. I think that's what it is, is I enjoy those phases and those maps the most of all of them. Yeah. Um, as for which one I'll recommend to play first, probably also the first one. Because there is a, like, that is the classic. And it's different. It's different with video games than it is with movies or TV shows. It really isn't that hard to go back and play the originals. Like it's, like I said, I have this thing over here that I just plugged into my TV and I've got the first five games right here. So you, it is plausible. Yeah. I never understood the backlash from some of the retro gaming community of, um, uh, on those plug and play systems, mm -hmm. because to me, that's kind of, that kind of goes along the same lines as, different takes on comic book films and different things like that. Like mm. this is an entryway for more people to be into this style of thing. Sure. You know what I mean? With all of the new latest and greatest and bombastic and how much, how much advancements been made in graphics mm -hmm. and this and that we need to be able to, have an open door for people to experience these older style of games that don't require hunting down and working uh, uh, version mm -hmm. uh, or uh, 
yeah, version of the console, hunting down a TV that can play it or getting the proper equipment to be able to play it and all of those kinds of things. Or to start to invest into the technology needed for emulation and mm -hmm. stuff like that. This It's a very low barrier of entry to be able to play these old games on a format that more closely resembles that original format than say playing some of these older games on an Xbox or something along those sure. lines. Um, I do just to, just to nerd out for a second for those that I know a lot of this has been geared towards the younger side of the Sonic experience. Now, to nerd out for a second on the older side, we both mentioned uh, Sonic 2. Man, the way, the shift that they made in Sonic 1 with it being more nature-based and mm -hmm. different things like that to Sonic 2 with it being more industrial, the casino zone, mm. all of those kinds of things. Man, that to me, I ab that was the first experience. Sonic 2 really was the first major experience that I had understanding how much i appreciated a world experience now obviously at that age i didn't have these kinds of fully formed thoughts about what i enjoyed so much about it <laughs> but it's just it's bright the, colors at that point right exactly and he's but fast it, exactly <laughs> but at that i can say now that i can appreciate how it really felt like you were playing a character that was in a world mm. and okay. that world was immersive. One of my other favorites mm -hmm. are all are those Mario and Sonic Olympic games. I love those. Those are so fun. Have you Guilty ever played pleasure, any of those? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I, I've played, like, I, I've played some pretty obscure older titles and things like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so for those of you that don't know, there was a period of time, still kind of happens, but it, not to the same degree. There was one uh, for the most recent summer games. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was but, one for the most recent summer games, but there for a while, these to, were hot. Yeah, it used to be that your favorite uh, IPs would get stuck in whatever sporting game wanted to come out. Like if you look <laughs> into Mario, he's got one for every single sporting event. Sonic, Sega characters have one mm. for every single sporting event. Um, but yeah, those those games were just just fun. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. Even outside of what we were talking about with the original sonic games it wasn't even about that sense of accomplishment and things like that that was just simply fun and mm -hmm. seeing those characters outside of their original context mm -hmm. um i think was was a big part of why those were so enjoyable i have sonic spinball on my uh plug and play as well which now yeah. that on my laptop or on a desktop, I can't play that pinball machine game that used to be on every every computer. Now that that's gone, that's that's where I get my pinball fix is playing that game and bopping Sonic around. Yeah, the fact that there is absolutely going to be a contingent of people that are young enough to have no idea what it is that you're talking about fundamentally True. makes me sad. But <laughs> honestly, yeah, no, that's that's another one of those... Um, you kind of took took the words right out of my mouth as far as when we get to uh, recommendations. Um, but yes, Sonic Spinball is a product of its time. <laughs> <laughs> the first major uh, attempt to make Sonic 3D. Yeah. And boy, does it show. Um, but the I eyes remember are a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um and, and the the directional system in it is is a little weird and absolutely <laughs> clunky for the time. But yeah, it was it's just a lot of fun and part of that might be nostalgia for me because we're still firmly in the era of the originals. That came mm -hmm. out relatively quick in comparison to the other mainline games. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, just going to pump out another one and hope for the best. 
Well, that's what that's what it was back then. Like you you didn't have the same kind of you know dedication to to keeping everything separate and making everything make sense within its within its own paradigm and all of that in the 90s it was literally just if if we can throw the ip onto something and do it make it just do it you know do it make money yep so all this episode we've been geeking out on one of our especially for Joe, one of our favorite childhood characters. And in when it comes to geek stuff, every Christian geek is really tired of having that verse dangled over our head of put away childish things. What's really interesting to me, though, Joe, is that when you actually look at scripture, yes, that verse exists. And we talk about that verse. Actually, you can hear about it in the interview we did with Simon not too long ago. But what's interesting to me is that when you actually really get into scripture, children are actually highlighted as a good thing. How many times did Jesus say to his disciples, have faith like a child? You know, I just read recently, I've been reading Luke in my devotions, and it was can't remember it's either chapter nine or chapter 10. I think it's chapter nine where they're arguing. The disciples are arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus brings a kid over and says, well, here you go. Here's your, here's your benchmark. This is where you need to aim at. So even though as geeks, we're often labeled as like these Christians who can't grow up and that's a bad thing. The illustration in scripture, much like how we misunderstand the illustration of sheep a lot of times in scripture, is that the illustration of children is that this is our model. Not that we're supposed to act like children, but that we're supposed to have a faith like a child. Joe, would you like to expound upon that at all? Yeah, there's a handful of verses that exist out in the wild that are... um, Mistreated, I think, is probably the nicest word that i could think of when it comes to this kind of thing and i I equate the put away childish things with the way that um your body is a temple is commonly used i just recently had a conversation with somebody um trying to unpack some of the bad thoughts that have permeated um them on their experience trying to get healthy that getting railed at by christians about your body is a temple and i'm like and i told them when people approach me with that um they're like your body is a temple and i'm like that's not what that what that verse is saying that's not what that verse is saying that that verse is not saying to lose weight but it's it's not Mm -hmm. it just just like putting away childish things doesn't mean don't play video games it's not a full range that we do not have the permission from the scriptures to grab that and to apply it to anything that maybe that maybe kids like that adults might like to we don't have that freedom mm. we take that freedom we we abuse scripture in that way but one of the tenets of this show um uh, i'm going to pull the curtain back here for a second into some of the things that have had some of the conversations that have taken place as we've been working this thing out behind the scenes and all of that. And it was Pastor Will that said, I want to show people that just because I'm a Christian, I'm not a jerk. And that's kind of a notion that lies closely under the surface of what we try to accomplish by doing these things. Because a lot of times, Christians don't feel comfortable with trying to be outwardly nerdy or trying mm-hmm. to say, hey, I like this IP that I liked as a kid. Or, hey, I like to read, you know, illustrated books that have pictures and, you know, are are, are typically for kids or whatever like that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that when it comes to these types of um, – I think when it comes to these types of subjects, anytime that these things come up, anytime that we have an environment where there's a late 20-something and an early 30-something nerding out over something that they liked as a kid, that we need to check ourselves. 
But what what are we speaking into the other person? If we're if if you, your instinct is to freak out, what are what are you what are you speaking into that person? And if you are the person who's gotten freaked out on, because that's probably a much larger part of who's who's listening to my sultry tones right now. <laughs> um, just re reconcile with what scripture actually says, because while we, while we put the emphasis so much on the, on the person verbalizing this, understand what you're saying, understand what scripture actually says, understand that you're misquoting scripture and that you are putting baggage on somebody else because of your own hangups. Understanding what that piece of scripture actually says for the person who's receiving that does a lot for allowing man's bad thoughts to wash off of you. There is a layer of operating in this life where you have to accept the fact that people are going to get out of pocket and you need to not care about what somebody who's out of pocket has to say. And yeah. that that's kind of a comes across sometimes as aggressive or, but that's not loving. Oh, <laughs> that's where you get into the nuance of what is love and what is, you know, you sure. can, we can go super far down the rabbit hole here, but I think so often we get focused on the person spouting the bad information that we forget about giving advice to the people who are receiving that bad information. If you are somebody who has struggled with that, with with hearing those kinds of things, or if you are in a situation where the people around you are like, when are you going to stop being into these kinds of things and things like that? Yeah, the Bible does say that, but the Bible's not talking about the way it, the way that it's being used against you. It's talking about a mentality thing. It's talking about mm -hmm. a maturity thing, and mm -hmm. and those kinds of things rather than what interests do you have or things like that. God's not going to say something in the time and the place that it was said about a thing that those people are going to, like it would, it would not land with the people it's being said to. And sure. that gets into a whole hermeneutics thing and understanding the people that, the, that the time mm -hmm. that this is being written and all, all of the many, many things that go into it. But at least at a reader's digest version, that's a good place to start. And I think that's also a good place to start wrapping up this episode. All right. So, dude, I can't help it. I'm the king of segues. Joe, got any recommendations for our listeners today? Um, well, my first recommendation is that... To read a book on Josh, hermeneutics? Yeah, well, that. <laughs> to look up what hermeneutics is. Um, it is for for josh to absolutely pepper in the sonic coin sound effect throughout absolutely. this absolutely oh yes that, collect, collecting the rings ab, de definitely that needs to be peppered throughout this oh, entire yeah. episode by the way before you go on i have to make this comment because neither one of us has talked about wrestling yet aew face of the revolution ladder match that's a giant sonic ring <laughs> 100% that idea had to have been from one of the EVPs that oh, yeah. grew up playing 90s games that like they're like oh yeah no there's absolutely going to be a generation of people who sees this on our pay-per-view and is like yeah that's a sonic ring 100% that's an oversized sonic ring oh a 100% okay so uh something about a recommendation now yeah um i would suggest going through you know it, we we've talked about these different games experience the originals that's part of it if you have experienced the originals and you are well versed in the games might i suggest some of the ancillary uh media that exists there are hmm. some really cool uh graphic novels and comics that exist out there um there is a uh cartoon that existed for a while sonic x uh i know a lot of people aren't the biggest fan of that i know as far as the court of public opinion it kind of gets lambasted sometimes but hmm. i like it i think it's a i i think it's just a a, a fun kid show about okay. sonic you know what i mean it doesn't need sure. to be anything or try to be anything more or anything less 
Um, so those would be my top two. That's good to know about the comic book because I have, I've like held Sonic comics and graphic novels in my hand before and the, put them back down because i'm not quite sure if i'm ready to make the financial investment but i'm glad glad to know that there are some pretty good ones out there i would recommend along with the on the topic of sonic cartoons the original sonic cartoon there's just the sonic the hedgehog cartoon which is it's it's one of those enjoyably bad film uh, or not films enjoyably bad forms of entertainment is all available for free on youtube just just it's right there folks go get some yeah it's kind of like um that short run of a mortal Kombat um cartoon that existed defenders of the realm oh yeah that was out in the 90s um it was gone before way too soon is it high quality no is it the best storytelling no is that what it's meant to be? No, it's just no. not. It's kind of like uh, G.I. Joe in that regard. Go Ooh. back and watch G.I. Joe. There's not a whole lot of depth of storytelling. And I know I just upset some 80s kid, but I, you know, I think true 80s people know that G.I. Joe is not serious. I fanboy is a big fan. The host of that is a big fan of G.I. Joe. And they know they know what G.I. Joe is supposed to be. And it's it's right. not whatever those movies are. <laughs> yeah. You, me, and TJ need to get together to do Mortal Kombat. That that's what I'm taking away from this episode. Absolutely. Joe, where can people find you if they want to listen to you some more? So I am uh, live on the air six out of the seven days a week um, and facebook.com slash buddy walk with Jesus. Um, you can also find me Saturday nights on kingdom on the road and you can find links for all the things, the podcasts, the, the links for the shows and everything at buddy walk with Jesus.com. And you can find me Brandon Knight, on my own podcast, my seminary life where I talk about the stuff I'm studying in grad school right now. And boy, is it interesting. It's been interesting, but you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Also on Facebook and Instagram at my seminary life pod. Thank you everybody for listening to today's episode. I had a good time. Joe, did you have a good time? Man, these kinds of episodes, being able to truly nerd out about the things that you love, this is, it's episodes like this as to why I'm a part of this. It's why he wakes up in the morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you want some more 90s or video games material, make sure you're heading on over to systematicology.org and let us know on there. Also, we have a Patreon. Hopefully you know about this. Patreon.com slash Systematic Ecology, where you could help us out financially and you get bonus episodes in return. Thanks again for listening. And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.